to the story of Joseph and the introduction kind of into his uh, family and uh, his teen years, I guess, uh, to a degree here. We'll look at chapter 37. We'll kind of get through the whole chapter this afternoon. And uh, we'll have, I think, probably a few weeks here with Joseph uh, to kind of study through some of the things in his life. So we'll look at up to his selling uh, today, and then we'll look into uh, Potiphar and maybe even his prison time uh, next week. And then from there, we'll get into his uh, his, uh, triumphant stage of life, although you could argue uh, Potiphar and the prison time was his most triumphant times, but uh, nonetheless, we'll get all, all into that in a couple weeks. We'll look at Joseph and his brothers here in chapter 37, and uh, let's start off in chapter 37, verse number 1, and we see favoritism. Isn't it funny how Jacob and, um, and, and Isaac, and we just see this favoritism, uh, whether it be in a spouse or in children, uh, parent and child kind of a thing that just plagues this lineage. Um, and, and it's interesting because the Bible points it out. It's not like you have to read into the story to figure it out. The Bible clearly says he loved this wife more than the other. He, she loved this child. He loved this child. All these kinds of things. And we see it again pop up here with Jacob and Joseph. Verse 1, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lads with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilpah, uh, his father's wives. Uh, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. And now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. You see this uh, favoritism by Jacob, called in verse 1, Israel called in verse 3, towards Joseph. And uh, it's just intriguing to me that you look at it. He says in verse 3, he loved him more than all his other children because... He was the son of his old age, and uh, and so he made him a special coat, a coat that took time and effort. Uh, You know, for us, a coat of many colors is you just go buy the different fabrics, and boom, coat of many colors. It's not how it worked back then. Uh, There was, I'm sure, some dyeing. There was some different material used, different things like that that was made, and he made this coat for Jacob, or excuse me, for Joseph. And then it says in verse 4 that when his brothers saw their father loved him more, so it was clear in their brother's eyes. Now, again, think about this home life, all right? We're told, we're reminded in verse number two, you have the sons of Bilhah, who was a handmaid, sons of Zilpah, who was a handmaid, and of his wives, two, two wives. And so you've got all these children, multiple different mothers involved, right? And then you've got Joseph, who at the time was the only child from his mom, and, uh, and it was from the mom that Jacob loved the most. So it makes sense that he loved Joseph the most uh, as well, although you think through the time he had with his other children and all Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, Jacob loved Joseph more than all of his other children, and it was clear to the rest of the kids that that was the case. 
And so it says that his brothers hated him. And it says at the end of verse number four, they could not speak peaceably unto him. Not a kind word being spoken in this house. (laughs) Can you imagine? Brothers pick on brothers, right? It happens. But to never speak peaceably. That's a pretty strained household. Uh, And Joseph being the baby of the family at the time. uh, And uh, now we all know babies of the family. But um, that being said, right, the parents had the perfect kid, decided we're done. Uh, We all understand that. But but that being said, the the kids, there wasn't... Um, especially with Joseph, there was very little getting along. I would imagine, and this is just speculation, I would imagine that the sons of Bilhah and the sons of uh, Zilpah and the sons of um, Leah and Rebekah, right? Uh, I'm sure there was some division automatically, right? I mean, surely there was. Uh, just natural division in that. That's chaos. That's why God doesn't like chaos. Uh, but you have this division, but they got so hateful towards Joseph, they couldn't even speak peaceably unto him. And was it Joseph's fault? Now, you could argue it was in the sense that in verse 2, he's a snitch. Um, he report, or verse 1, was it verse 1 or verse 2? Verse 2, yeah, um, that he reports the, to his father their evil report. So, so he's a snitch. He, you know, he's, he's telling on everybody. He's a tattletale, whatever. You can look at it that way if you'd like to. At the end of the day, he's, he's giving his dad the report on what's going on. Uh, and, and as much as we don't want tattletales, if something wrong is happening, authority needs to know about it. And uh, so there's that. Uh, and we'll look at some other things here in just a moment that caused them to continue to hate him even more. But it's not just that he was the favorite, I don't think. I think that he was a young kid. And when we, we pick it up here at 17 years old, it says... But young kids are annoying, especially to older kids, right? They're, they're annoying. And so you have that built into the whole situation as well. You have uh, different mothers, so that's built into the division. And then you've got the dad who clearly loves the one more than the other. Did the dad ever make a coat for any of the other brothers? Maybe. But what we see is the idea of the coat of many colors gives the idea of the, the investment into this coat too so it's not just a coat it's a special coat and he gives it to him and the brothers absolutely hate him because he's the favorite of the father uh and uh and and probably because and again speculation but probably because of the the report that he's given to his dad now we skip into a couple dreams that joseph had two different dreams first in verses five through eight Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. Again, our recollection, understanding is 17 years old. Uh, He says, Here here the dream that I had. For behold, verse 7, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves round about, stood round about, and made obeisance, To my sheaf bowed down. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dream and for his words. Now, we're going to see this in the next dream in just a second, but look at the phrasing of this that God gives us. They hated him yet the more for his dreams and his words. 
dreams back then seemed to have meant a little bit more than dreams today. If I have a dream, it's usually because I ate too late. You know, the weirder it is, it usually has something to do with what I put into my body. Um, and it means little to nothing, right? There's some wacky, I've dreamed some wacky dreams. Uh, the other day, what was it? Um, I dreamt that a, a, a house burnt down. And I was, it wasn't my house. I've never seen the house before. I don't have a clue what it was. But I was at that, in my dream, living in that house. And the house burnt down. And I remember standing on the outside of the house, looking up and seeing the chimney on fire and all this kind of stuff. Whatever. It, it meant nothing, in my opinion. That was uh, Wednesday night. Thursday morning, we had a team breakfast at work. And my boss and another guy were talking about houses that burned down. And I was like, I just dreamt about a house burning down. This is really weird. Does it mean anything? I don't think so. Um, but nonetheless, it was a weird dream. It was interesting to me. Back then, dreams, and I, maybe they had normal dreams too, but we read about lots of dreams that were prophetic dreams or visions from God that God gave to people and they received something from it. And the brothers here, I just find it interesting, not something that I really thought a whole lot about before, but it says they hated him yet the more for his dreams. So are they hating him because they're saying he's, he's coming up with these dreams? Or are they hating him because they have a sense that this dream is, is prophetic? They ask the question, well, are we going to bow down to you? The answer, by the way, is yes. Um, <laughs> you know, are we going to serve you? Yeah, yeah, uh, you are. But nonetheless, they may, it makes them hate him more. Then look at the second dream, because this one has even more interesting terminology in it. Verse number 9 through verse number 11. And he dreamed yet another dream, and he told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed the dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. How many brothers did he have at the time? Eleven. Uh, and he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him. And he said, what is the dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother, the sun and the moon, shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come and bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? Look at verse 11. His brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. All right, now, again, just to me, it's really interesting. They hated him more for the dreams. It makes sense, right? I think we can all comprehend why an older sibling would look at a younger sibling and be like, seriously? But again, they hated him because for his dreams and his words too. And then in verse 10, his dad rebukes him. He says, are you saying that me and your mom and your brothers are going to bow down? When the she's bowed down, no big deal. Yeah, your brothers bow down to you, whatever. Wait, you're saying that me and your mother and your brothers are going to bow down to you? By the way, the answer is yes. <laughs> but but uh, that's the, the rebuke is, don't, don't say those kinds of things. But in verse 11, the brothers envied him. Why? Why would they envy him? Again, I think the understanding is, and this is opinion, but I think the understanding really is, hey, these dreams mean something. Why, why would they not bow down to me? The older brother says. Why him? He's already dad's favorite. What else is he going to get? And his dad observed the saying. I think they realized this is going to happen. When, how, nobody knows. 
But I believe there's an understanding here that there is going to come a time where Joseph is going to be lifted up and we are going to be in submission to him. Now in verse number 12, we see it goes on a little bit, the brothers and what they're doing, where they've gone, they're out feeding the sheep and all that kind of stuff, and the dad's going to send Joseph out to check on them. Uh, look at a couple random thoughts, though, verse 15 through 17. Uh, and I, I, I looked, and I tried to study, and I don't get the purpose for these verses. Okay? Verse 15, And a certain man found him. And behold, this is Joseph, by the way, going out to find his brothers. Um, and behold, he was wandering in the field, and the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brother, and tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan, uh, not Alabama. And Joseph went uh, after his brethren and found them in Dothan. <laughs> it's funny, I've read this story I don't know how many times in my life. But I came across this in preparing for this week, and I'm going, Who cares? We don't need these verses. And so then I started thinking, wait a minute. Why do we need these verses? Who's the certain man? Now, some say it was a, um, someone who worked for Jacob. He would have been a hired person, and he's out in the field doing his job. And so it's just a, you know, someone who, who would know Joseph to a degree and the brothers and whatever. And maybe that's the case. I couldn't find, I, just, I saw that in one place. But who cares? Certain man out here. Why do we need to know that Joseph asked for directions to find his brother from this guy? I honestly, to this day, I have no idea. But it makes me wonder why. Why is it here? I want to know why. Why, Lord? Is there something that I'm missing? Is there a certain man that we need to know something about? Is it, you know, I don't know. I just read these three verses and I thought, none of that matters. <laughs> we, just, we just need Joseph to find his brothers. Go find them. Yet it's here, and I'm curious, and if you know, let me know. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. Uh, but anyways, he says, what are you looking for? Joseph says, my brothers. He says, they're in Alabama. I mean, Dothan. And, uh, and, and, and off there is a Dothan, Alabama, right? Yeah, okay, I thought so. Uh, so uh, there he goes. He's in, there you go. Alabama's in the Bible. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and then it burned. No, uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so we come to verse 18. We know now Joseph is finding his brothers, and the brothers immediately come up with a scheme. You've got to think they were thinking about this before, but either way, it comes to, comes to the top of mind. Verse 18, and when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to throw him in a pit and sell him. No, they conspired against him to slay him. All right, now that's hatred, right? Remember in the New Testament when God says... Um, you know, you say it's wrong to kill. I'm paraphrasing. You say it's wrong to murder. Yeah, I say it's wrong to hate. Because that thought in your heart is the same, similar to murder. Same that is in the heart of a murderer. They conspired to kill him. Verse 19, they said one to another, behold, this dreamer cometh. There you go. Throwing back in what they're envying about, right? Verse 20, come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. They're not killing him because he's annoying. They're killing him because he dreamt a dream that one day they would bow down to him. And they didn't want to do that. 
And so they have this scheme in their mind, we're going to kill them. And it's just intriguing to me. Again, I know the family dynamic was a little different than what we're used to today. But it just blows my mind that that's on their mind. And again, the reason is not because we always kind of hear it as he was an annoying little kid and he told them, you're going to bow down to me. And they're like, no, we're not. And all this kind of stuff. No, I don't. From what I'm reading, his dreams terrified them. And they didn't want anything to do with that. So we're going to kill him. Uh, then we see some compassion from Reuben. The only Reuben I have ever liked. Sauerkraut. Doesn't make any sense. Why would you put it on a sandwich? Anyways. <clears throat> Verse 21. And Reuben heard it. He heard the discussion. We're going to kill him. And he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit uh, that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands and deliver him to his father again. So Reuben said, Don't kill him. Just throw him in this pit. And his mindset is, according to Scripture, is I'm going to pull him out of the pit and take him home to dad. So it shows some compassion. Look in verse 29. This is after they've sold him. But Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. Reuben had the brains of the, group, the crew. And he had compassion, and he understood, we're not going to kill Joseph. We can't kill Joseph. So he talks him into throw him in a pit. He's going to take him out and take him home, but he went to go take him out, and he's not there anymore. And I believe the first thought in Reuben's mind was they killed him, but obviously we see in the conversation, they tell him that's not what happened and whatever, but we'll look more at that in just a moment. Go back to verse 23. We see the decision that's finally made uh, after Reuben talks them out of killing Joseph. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going uh, to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said his brethren, said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. Let somebody else kill him. <laughs> For he is our brother and our flesh. That's a great reason there, Judah. Good job. Uh, and his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, merchmen, and they uh, drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. Interesting number. Remember, that comes up again in the New Testament. Um, and they brought Joseph to Egypt. So we see this, uh, this, the final decision is, let's sell him. What does it profit us to kill him? <laughs> First of all, their thought is, we don't get anything from it. Secondly, what we do receive is guilt because we killed him. We don't want that. So let's sell them off to somebody else. And whatever happens to them is on them, not on us. Now, again, we understand that's not how it works. They still do evil. They still do wrong. There's still guilt upon them. But in their minds, it's better than killing them. Then our hands are clean, kind of like uh, Pilate. You know, wash your hands of it. Not my fault. I'm not the one that made the final decision. Yes, you were. Same is true with these guys. Isn't that interesting? Christ sold 20 pieces of silver. And he has someone who washes his hands and says, it's not my fault. 
Joseph sold for 20 pieces of silver, and he has brothers who say, it's not, hey, it's not on us. Whatever happens to him, it's not on us. And we see this, uh, this decision to sell, sell off Joseph, and we'll look at Joseph in Egypt in just a few minutes, or not minutes, but next week. Uh, but we see then <clears throat> what it sticks with Jacob throughout his life, deception. In verse 31, and they took Joseph's coat and they killed a, a kid of the goats. And he dipped it in the coat of blood, dipped the coat in blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. Hey, Dad, do you recognize this coat? And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without uh, doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put on sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son for many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. Deception. A life that was built as a child around deception. And the carrying through of his life and what really caused him the most miserable years of his life. And you think through, he'd had some miserable years before. I mean, just think about the mental anguish of meeting Esau, we talked about last week. This fear of what Esau was going to do. I mean, that's a short period of time, but that was a lot of anguish. You think about running from home, leaving home. Uh, all of those, the, the situation with the marriages, everything that, that was caused, that was deception again. And you get to this point now where they bring back this coat, and they're very deceptive. They rip it up, they cover it in blood, and then they come back, and it's not, Dad, we found Joseph's coat. No. It's, Dad, do, do you recognize this coat? We just kind of think it looks familiar. We can't quite place where we've seen it before. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and Jacob says, man, that's Joseph's coat. And his mind goes to exactly what they wanted it to go to. He's been rent into pieces. He's been eaten by a lion. He's been demolished, destroyed. And he mourned, and he said, I'm going to mourn until the day I'm buried. Until <laughs> the day I die. I'm going to be mourning for my son. And no matter how much they tried to comfort him, his children, his sons, and his daughters tried to comfort him, and he refused it. And to think that he experienced this anguish based off of pure deception. He caused anguish amongst his brother because of deception. He'd caused problems for his father because of deception. And it's just coming back sevenfold on him. Now we know the story, we know how it ends, and we can see a, a happy ending at some point down the road, but at this point, just place yourself where he is. What you reap, you sow. The Bible teaches us that. It's not just some fancy saying, some little quip. No, it's it's real. How you treat people, it's going to come back, positive or negative. 
um, how you live your life, there's going to be a uh, reaping process. And you get a pretty big say on if the reaping is going to be positive or negative. And uh, Jacob, listen, he had, he had sowed some good things. And he reaps some good things. But he had also sowed some bad things. And he reaped those as well. And it's a good reminder for us, because even though we know how it turns out, to look at it as it happens and to understand. And, and again, what it ultimately comes back to for the brothers is it's not, it's not annoying little brother. It's the dreams that God gave him. And they didn't like what they meant. And I'm, I'm intrigued, as we continue to look through the story, at what verse 11 tells us. His brothers envied him, and his father observed his saying. And as we look at the end of the story in a couple of weeks, when Joseph and his dad, his dad gets the, the news of Joseph's life, I wonder the thought process of these dreams, of how often they went back to these dreams after Joseph was revealed to the brothers and to his dad. I wonder how often did they go back to sheaves and sun, moon, and stars. It's, it's intriguing to me because back then, when they first heard the dreams, there was something there. They knew there was something there. And, uh, and obviously, it comes to fruition down the road. So next week, we'll look at uh, Potiphar's house and uh, the prison time that Joseph spends. And again, incredible stories and incredible example of faithfulness. Because I oftentimes look at chapter 37 as young, annoying Joseph. You know what's amazing is chapter 38 and on in Joseph's life, we see an incredibly mature, obedient, faithful Joseph. And it makes me rethink chapter 37. And as opposed to looking at him as a tattletale, annoying little kid, I actually look at him more as a, a guy who saw God's hand on his life. And the only mistake he made was telling people who were jealous. And I don't think that's a mistake on Joseph's end. I think it's a mistake on the brother's end. Um, so that's just where, the way that it's, it's molding my continual thoughts on Joseph. And I think Joseph, he may be my favorite character in Scripture. Um, there's a lot of good ones, right? So it's, it's hard, and I don't mean to minimize it by saying character, but um, the story of Joseph, to me, to see his faithfulness amidst all of this. It's not like, the, in, in my opinion, it's not like he just matured overnight when he got sold to Potiphar. I think there was a faithfulness there before that that maybe sometimes we overlook in chapter 37. Because um, when he got to Potiphar's house, he was, he was something that we should be. And I, I don't think it started when he got sold to Potiphar. Uh, I think it started long before that. So we'll keep that in mind as we look through the story in the coming weeks. Lord, help.